Come on. Man of God in the house. Amen. All right. Um, say this word with me. God's systems. Now, I want you to really let it sink in. I'm going to say it one more time. But I'm going to add a word to it. Say revelatory systems. Say that. Revelatory systems. All right. Um, the reason why this is important, and I want to start you there with the idea of God's systems, revelatory systems, we're talking about understanding and harnessing God's revelatory systems. Now, if you want to understand divine order and you want to understand God, the Bible says you can look at what He made and understand Him. So that the things that are made are made from things which cannot be seen. So God says in, in, in Romans, if you really want to look and understand me, look at what I made. He said even studying nature will reveal the Godhead. Right. The scripture actually says that. That there's no excuse for them. Yeah. Who have denied the divine order that I placed in nature that reveals my Godhead. Right. So nature gives us the insight into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How many of you have a relationship with the Father? Amen. How many of you have a relationship with the Son? Amen. How many of you have a relationship with Holy Spirit? Amen. Jesus said Holy Spirit is so important that if I don't leave, He can't come. Jesus, Jesus said, unless I leave, He can't even come to the earth. I've got to go so that you can deal with an encounter with God the Spirit. My God. Now, then Jesus, he prays to the Father. He says, now when you talk to the Father by the power of the Spirit, He will do whatever you ask Him if you abide in me and my word abide in you. So harnessing God's revelatory systems means we're going to take a look at some natural things and we're going to look straight through a tree and see the Godhead. The Bible says you can look at nature and see God. Not just God the Father. Not just You can see the Godhead and nature. So when we talk about God's revelatory systems, what if you could look at the cosmos and see God? You can look at the order of the heavens and see God. He said, I have hidden myself in what I made. I hid the revelation of myself in what I made. Amen. So Apostle Paul said he's, he's above all and he's in all. He's through you all. He's, he's everywhere, right? We say he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning. And we sing about you know all the things he made, but he said, can you see me through what I made? Yes. Can you understand how I operate through what I mean? He's saying, so revelatory systems means that there are things about God we can only understand. We are going to learn to understand by the Spirit giving us revelation through what he made. Let me give you an example. When Jesus wanted to give an illustration about something, he would talk about foxes, uh, uh, birds of the air have their nests. Foxes have their nests. This is what you're talking about. Birds and foxes. Jesus would sometimes talk about animals in his analogies to bring a divine truth. Even in the 
uh, in the Old Testament, Solomon, if he wanted you to learn the wisdom of God, he'd talk about ants. Trees. You're like, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed. What are you talking about? You're talking about nature. I want to learn about God. He's saying, I hid the revelation of me and my kingdom in nature. So if you don't want to understand the systems that I put in front of you, how are you going to understand the systems that are invisible to you? The natural system you see reveals the invisible system you can't see. So that's where revelation comes in. Revelatory systems. God, you look at natural things and God gives you a revelation of things you can't see. How many of you have ever seen God? Right? You've been to the throne and seen God sitting on the throne? Right? Nobody, you haven't seen God sitting on the throne. I haven't seen God sitting on the throne. But I want you to watch this though. We might need to pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you that we're going to get this this morning. In Jesus' name. And everything assigned against our ability to get it. In the name of Jesus, we say it is got before it gets us. In Jesus' name, it's paralyzed, it stops, and we cancel the assignment of every spirit that says you can't get it. Every spirit and every person who ever said you were dumb. Every person who ever said you're stupid. Every person who ever said you're slow. Every person who said, no, you can't. No, no, I have the mind of Christ and I can get it. I have the mind of Christ and I can get it. In Jesus' name, I can get it. The Spirit of God gives me the ability to get it. And we're going to get it this morning. So, I want a deeper encounter with God. How can I have a deeper encounter with God if I don't understand His systems? I want to know Him better. He says, you want to know me better. But you want to know me as a person, but do you want to know how I run my house? You're on your way to a kingdom run by a God of systems and divine order. The sun doesn't collide with the moon. God put them in systemic order. So when we talk about revelatory systems, we begin to see God through the systems. His systems, and we get learn how to have relationship with him. So I'm going to show you something this morning, and you're going to have to reach a little bit to get it. Anybody feel like reaching? Yeah. All right, why don't I preach something that everybody knows? <laughs> no, go on, go on. You won't have to reach. <laughs> but you won't make it to the next grade either. The next grade, the introduction of the next grade is going to come from a teacher who's yeah. going to tell you things you don't know. Yeah. That's right. You don't go to college knowing what your professor Amen. knows. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm not here to tell you what you know. That's I'm not here to get an amen out of you because I, it touches something. Your, your passion and your fire. That's not what this is, this is at all. There's a doorway in the spirit realm to God Almighty. And for those who want to step into the river and go into the places... You've never been before. Amen. What I'm talking about today, you've never done, you've never been, 
you've never operated in. I'm talking about operating freely, walking in the realm, living in the realm, breathing in the realm, thinking in the realm by default. That professor who owns that subject in college, he teaches that without looking at the book because he's in default mode. That's his default. What you're learning to do on purpose is his default. He don't even have to look at the book before he walks into the class. He already knows. We got people teaching today in pulpits all across the world. They're not in default. And they're preaching what you know. They're not, you listen, you ain't grow, you're not growing that much. I didn't say you weren't growing, but you're not growing. Your realm hasn't changed. Come on, sir. If it doesn't transition you into your next level and into your next realm of operation, I wonder how much you grew. And God, I want you, I want you to know how God thinks. I don't need a teacher that keeps me trapped at a level. I don't. That's not what. That's not what I'm about. I need a teacher who can help me sustain and master a level, and then help me transition to the next level. But don't keep me trapped the rest of my life at a level. I don't need that. The Bible says we go from faith to. I need to go from a lion to a bear. I need to talk to my mentor about the, this, this bear I'm facing. I don't need my mentor to. Be freaked out, go, oh my God, that bear. You I need my mentor to say, hey, that's all right. God saw the bear before you got there. I need my mentor to be okay. I need him to say, come on, son. This The trial you're facing today is to get you ready for Goliath. Come on, somebody. There's a, there are levels to it. You can't stay stuck at the same level until you grow. God will testify if you grow. And many, 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 many people, they're, they're not honest. They're just not growing. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, listen, listen, listen. Your testimonies and what God is saying will reveal your growth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're, on a, we're on a progressive continuum Amen. of growth. Amen. And how many of you say, you know what? I don't want to be stuck in translation. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck in transition. Yeah. And I don't want abnormality in my growth pattern. I don't want abnormality in my growth. To to stop growing as a Christian is to embrace an abnormality. Where God has assigned growth from faith to faith and glory to glory to embrace to come on man come on to embrace a constancy at a level and be okay with it. Means that you got all you can get, and and, and means your hunger has been stifled. Well, I, I'm expecting to see new things. I'm expecting to experience new things. And I want God in a way that I haven't experienced Him in times past. I like waking up with revelation. I like I like it when God wakes me up and says, "Hey, it's time for you and me to talk." And I'm and then I, I'm, I'm up another two hours. He said, "Don't go to sleep. I, I got you these two hours. It's you and me." And, and I don't like it when He first says it. Right. I don't. I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I don't like it. My flesh screams. My flesh says, you don't want nothing to do with that divine pattern. And my spirit says, yeah, I do. And I'm dragging my blanket and dragging my, my pillow into the front room. So I'm like, I'm going to like, fall asleep on the couch again. So, so when we are introducing this today, it's about divine growth. It's about divine patterns. And this is for those who want more. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want, I want, I want Mo to the point where the gravy is on my lips, and my wife is like, "Hey, you got some stuff on your face." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, "Is that good?" Yeah. I, 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 when you, you know the food is good when you're wearing some of it. Right. Come on now. That's right. when it's good. And so I'm hoping somebody wants to wear something today. Amen. All right, so. When we talk about God's revelatory systems, revelation means God has to unveil it to you. Yes. He has, apocalypsis, he has to uh, reveal, unveil, and he has to unmask it. Yes. It's revelatory. And so Jesus said, they were talking, and then we'll get to this text, because uh, we're going to jump down, uh, we're going to start in a deep place today. Mm-hmm. Right? We're going to start in a deep place. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to walk through the kiddie pool. Right now, we just spent our kiddie pool time. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Oh, y'all thought I said something up till now. I I, I was just getting you ready. This is kitty pool time. I know the difference in what's coming out of my mouth, what represents kitty language in the spirit, and what represents mature language. I'm just getting you ready. And until you get out of your soul, you're not going to embrace that thing that's mature. Can you hear me? You're just not going to embrace it the way you need to. And so I want you to walk through that realm and be okay on the other side. I don't want you to get stuck in translation. So, So watch this. When we talk about the things of God, especially where we're going today, when we talk about the things of God, the revelatory revealed systems of God, the patterns of God Almighty, he unveils them. And Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the the scribes, the Pharisees, and from the wise of this world. Because they know so much, they don't know nothing. And you reveal them to babes. I approach God as a baby. Now, in malice, be children. But in understanding, be men. That's what the Word of God says. So when I approach God, I approach in the posture of a baby wanting to learn, not the psychology of a baby who's immature and don't know how to talk. Right? My heart and posture is as a learning child before an omnipotent, all-wise God. And he demands a mature conversation of me. Right? He demands a mature conversation of me. When I was a baby, I spoke like a... When I was a child, I spoke like a child. But when I became mature, I put away childish things. That's in your Bible, right? So we still have childish conversation and think we're saying something big. So in just a second, we're just going to dive on into it. We're going to get to the big conversation. Can you hear me? Now, I want to. I do want to set up this particular scripture... Because you're about to see something in 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. Um, we, we started with verse 20. I'm going to skip ahead. I'm sorry, we start with verse 12. You see here that in verse 12, Elijah, he's already killed the prophets of Baal, and he's in a cave, and there's an earthquake. There's an earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Still small voice. It was when Elijah heard the voice, he wrapped his face in his mantle, his cloak. He went out and he stood at the entering of the cave. Now, I'd like to go, if you would, verse, yeah, put that the whole chapter right there. I want to show you something, and I'll just start reading it at verse 1. And I just want you to hear me, and I'm going to go through this really quick because I don't want to stay here. Ahab told Jezebel all Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, 
That's a bloody prophet. He went and killed. <laughs> he went. He, he's a bloody prophet. This is like 800 men. He killed them with the sword. You, 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 that's a bloody prophet. So in other words, in his pursuit of God, he was willing to kill anything that challenged God. In other words, he, he was the one who would bring death to anything that challenged. Don't challenge my God. I will call fire from heaven on you. Don't play. So you could mess with a lot of prophets, but he wasn't the one to challenge. Because his zeal for God, his love for God, he's like, I will take you off the planet. He's not, he's not the laughing prophet, okay? He's, a, he's another level of something that God put in the earth to confront kings that were respon- and leaders that were responsible for leading hundreds of thousands of God's people astray. And that's why he was so ruthless. By the time a situation reached him, God was really ready to deal with it in terminality. So drought comes for years. Drought comes for three and a half years. In other words, people died, children died, a bunch of stuff happened. Elijah doesn't show up until God's ready to deal with things in terminality. Jesus, the, the, Malachi says, I'm sending you the spirit of the prophet Elijah before that day. And then Jesus said, John the Baptist is that prophet that God said was that represented Elijah, who's here in the New Testament. He said, that's the spirit I'm sending to the earth. And then Jesus said, come on, get the real gospel. Jesus said, don't think I came to bring peace on the earth, but I came to bring a sword. You go, okay, wait a minute, time out. You said that with your own mouth. See, because the spirit of God is about to have is is having a fight with the spirit of the antichrist. Yes. Right, right. And the church is not ready to fight That's the fight with right. the antichrist. That's right. We are still vacillating yes. between what we are made yes. to do. Yes. There's a confrontation that's not coming. It's already here. Yeah. And some people are fighting it in the realm of the spirit yeah. and raising up warriors to confront the day that God said today needs the spirit of Elijah. Yes. The spirit of Elijah yes. will carry you to confrontation with Ahab, with Jezebel, with Python. The spirit of Elijah yes. will take you to confrontation. Yes. You will deal with Leviathan. You will deal with Python. You will deal with the most hostile forces that ever exist. Jesus tells you with his own mouth. He said, hey, the t- the t- the t- the t- guys, I need you to understand. Those who kill you are going to think they serve in me. The deception is going to be so great. There are people serving God who think that what they're doing and saying is pleasing to God. Jesus told his disciples, when you operate in my anointing and my spirit, there will be those who kill you and think they're doing me a service. So you need to understand that's how great it is. And in this hour, God is raising up forefront warriors. He's raising up forefront warriors. I don't know about you, but I, I would be, I would... God would have to discipline me severely if I lead warriors into a confrontation with the greatest powers that have been loosed on the earth and they're not ready for that level of conflict. Amen. Amen. Part of your responsibility is to train disciples for the levels that they're going to have to face. This man that we're looking at has to train a disciple to face something that he ran from. Elijah has to train Elisha to face something that he ran from. 
Do you know how many leaders are hiding in caves today? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see they weren't doing something, but they're not confronting. They're not really. See, the spirit of Antichrist ain't worried about this. A feel-good gospel ain't half as comfortable with a feel-good non-confrontational gospel. But God has some warriors on the horizon. These are the confronters that are being raised up in the last hour. And Jesus said they will kill you. Yes, That's good. Thinking they do God a service. They think they're being employed by God. And Jesus, Jesus set the gospel straight. He said, you need to understand what this gospel of the kingdom will do. Anytime you listen, when you're walking and your presence causes what's in the spirit realm to come out into the open. I mean, how many people want to walk in that? Everybody wasn't happy with Jesus. Can I tell you something else about Jesus' gospel? Y'all still like me? Yes. Everyone was fine with the bubble gum. Yeah. Jesus had a portion of his ministry where he preached the kiddie pool gospel. Yeah. And people showed up for the fish yeah. and they showed up for the bread. Yeah. And they're like, Jesus multiplies his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't even care if he healed nobody today, long as it's fish and chips going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the moment Jesus really got to the heart of the gospel and said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then all of a sudden they don't care about the fish and chips. They don't care about uh, buy one meal, get one free. They don't care about it now. They're like, oh, wait a minute, what'd you say? And the Bible said they all left him, even his, even his disciples that were following him close. And Jesus looked around his 12 dudes standing there looking him in the face. He's like, where'd they all go? Oh, when you had a need, I was the one to follow when you needed to be healed, when you needed your blind eyes open, when you needed your child raised from the dead, yeah. I'm the one to follow. Yeah. Whenever, whenever you had your child demon possessed, I cast demons out of them, I'm the one to follow. When you need your food basket, you need your, the God of provision is what you want. You, you, you want the God of provision. You want the God that satisfies you where you want to be satisfied. But the moment I told you how I want to be satisfied, I need you to eat my flesh and drink my blood on a daily basis to get by. All of a sudden, you don't want nothing to do with me. And when they heard the fullness of the gospel, they walked away. And God knows what will cause us to walk away. The fullness of the gospel, that's not for a weak mind. That's good. That's not for someone who wants to be satisfied on Sunday. But not hear from God on Monday. When you really examine the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll get Paul beheaded, and it'll get John boiled in oil, and it'll cause Peter. Come on, somebody. And you'll be crucified upside down. I'm not talking today. I'm not here to talk to you about a gospel that makes everybody happy. I'm talking about a gospel that makes people nervous. Jesus' gospel made people who've been walking with him for three and a half years got nervous all of a sudden. Have you walked with God long enough for him to introduce to you the area of what he wants to talk about that'll make you nervous? For three and a half years, he's preaching what they want to hear. We like that. Hallelujah. Glory. Did you see the healing? But the moment Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my my bread, they said, I'm sorry, I got another assignment I'm called to. I feel like the Lord called me over there. That's so good. Preach this morning. Jesus has a language he wants to talk, but many believers have tuned him out. And Elijah, he says, I've got to get Elisha ready for something. He's about to go in a sphere, a level, a realm, 
a dimension. How many of you feel like God has made you to go to the high places? Come on, somebody. The high places. All right, don't play games with me. The high places requires a different language. The the conversation that that called you to say yes to getting through the gate. Yes to the low places, not the conversation that establishes you as an authority in the high places. Paul is established as an authority in the high places. Demons are talking through people and say, yeah, Jesus, we know and Paul we know. We know Paul in these realms. But, but who are you? You don't, you don't have a right to be in this realm. God is trying to take some of you and position you in that realm. You running from something you're supposed to dominate. Amen. And Elijah dominated to a certain point, And then after that, he's like, I'm done. And God said, okay. And then he, so he's running. Elijah is running. He, 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 when, when Elijah uh, had killed the prophets of Baal, called down fire from heaven, all kind of things are going on. Ahab tells Jezebel and she said, tomorrow you're going to be a dead man. I'm going to take your head like you took my prophet's life. And he took off running. I want you to watch. I'm going to teach you something about God, right? <clears throat> if you would. Put up verse 4. 1 Kings 19, verse 4, please. Watch this. Look at verse 4. I I would like for everyone, if you would, would you grace me and just read verse 4 with me? I'm going to show you something about God's patterns. You ready? But he himself went... Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. We got different translations. I guess I'm going to have to get on your translation with you. While he himself traveled on a day's journey into the wilderness, he sat down under a broom tree... And pray that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. He's operated in the mastery of the realm. He's dominated the false prophets. They've died by the edge of the sword. He's called down fire from heaven. He's raised the dead. This man has shut up the heavens. It won't rain till I say it can rain. He's got power over the elements. He's got power over life and death. He's got power over false prophets so that their gods don't even show up when he shows up on the scene. He's dominating every sphere, every realm, even natural armies. A squadron of soldiers was sent to arrest him. And he said, well, if I'm a man of God, fire come from heaven and consume you. Fire, bam, toasts all of them. And then the next captain comes and says, the king said, da, 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 da. And you got to come see the king. And he said, well, if I am a man of God, fire gets you too. Bam! There's not a human being that can stand in his sight. And if you go messing with him, you might come back a fried Krispy Kreme. (laughs) And the next leader, captain, came and got on his knees and said, please now, the king's going to kill me if I... If I don't come back with you, the king gonna kill me. And if, if I tell you that the king wants to see you, you gonna kill me. Come on out, bro. I gotta wipe his kids. And I'm, see, I'm just, I'm just about six months from retirement. Please. And Elijah had mercy on him. He said, "Okay, I'll go with you, but you ain't making me do nothing. I'm under the command of a different authority." So this guy is operating in power over men. Power over the elements, power over life and death. Now he's running under a juniper tree. Take my life. Yeah, yeah. He forgot who he was. Satan sent one mental assignment. Bam! Jacked him up so bad he forgot who he was. He forgot who he is. One mental assignment. And he followed that road. And he ended up in a cave. 
Not only is he in your cave, he thought, I'll go better than my fathers. None of your fathers have done what you've done. Now, but I want to watch this. Then he lay down under a broom tree, and what's he do? Watch this. He sleep. He just prayed to God. He lays down and falls asleep. Go up a little bit to where I can see five and six at the same time. Right? Suddenly, an angel of the Lord touches him and says, get up and eat. He looks around. By his head is a cake of bread over hot coals and a jar of water. What? So he ate and drank and laid down again. The angel done cooked him a meal for him. <laughs> the angel done brought a whole meal for him. And watch it. A second time, the angel of the Lord returned and touched him and said, get up, eat, or the journey will be too much for him. Now, is he running towards the will of God or away from the will of God? He's running. Huh? I'm in church now. I don't know which one of y'all to believe. Some of y'all said he's running too, and some of y'all said he's running for I'm in church. He's running away. Guess what? God's helping him run away. God said, I'll feed you. Headed the wrong direction, he got angelic encounters. God is feeding him. God will sustain you. God will feed you. And God will even give you some supernatural events while you're running the wrong direction. Just because you have supernatural encounter does not mean you're headed the right direction. Right. Just because God makes provision for you don't mean yeah. He'll even feed you. Yeah. God will feed you. Yeah. Why you run? Come on. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He walked forty days and forty nights in the wrong direction until he gets to the mountain and he enters a cave. And then God visits him and says, "Hey." <laughs> Go to verse 9. Read it, verse 9 out loud with me, would you please? In verse 9, let's read. There Elijah entered into a cave, spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here? Well, God, you know you helped me get here. You gave me food for the journey, gave me an angel waiter, gave me food cooked in the courts of heaven. And gave me some purified water. <laughs> and you go ask, what am I? Do you know what I'm doing here? I'm already praying. Yeah. And the Lord said, go out. I need to show you something. But I've been jealous for you. And I've been so jealous for you. And they, uh, Israelites have been sinking. And, 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 and they torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. Notice, he said, they killed your prophets with the sword. He's not talking about the false prophets he killed with the sword. Right, right. <laughs> His conversation about what the enemy is doing is greater than what God is doing. Right. He didn't go back to nothing God gave him. He didn't go back to one victory. He didn't say the lion and the bear and Goliath. Bring it, Goliath. Do you know the God I serve? No, he's like, I want to talk about everything they did. And they're going to get me too, okay? And they're going to get me too. He's not talking about stopping the rain for three and a half years. The devil will hit you and you won't go back to the word. You won't go back to revelation. You won't go back to your calling. You won't go back to your mind. Come on, come on. And God is saying he's trying to wake you up and he said, get back to your position. What have I made you do? What have I said? Am I not your God? Don't talk about how big I am to everybody else and then you don't believe in yourself. Yes, there you go. That's it. There you go. 
so now we go further down and we're going to get to the place where we are looking to go and we know God wasn't in the fire God's not in the earthquake there's a still small voice God, God's not in the wind and finally he gets he says okay after the verse 14 he says they're seeking my life and Jezebel wants to take it away and God said okay I'm not going to argue with you now I'm done trying to convince you I'm not going to convince you of anything isn't that terrible when God has done all that for you and he doesn't try to convince him to stay in the fight, stay in the race. God said, okay, I'm going to let you be right. Go anoint your replacement. That's a shame. God said, I have no more words for you about this. You're bringing me the enemy's report more than you're bringing me anything that I said about you. That, that means you've been infected. Your logic has been contaminated with the enemy's words more than what I've done. Wow. So you cannot, you can't intellectually, psychologically, spiritually, or emotionally, or spiritually stand at that level. Wow. And so God says, I'm accepting your retirement. Wow. You're going to replace and train your predecessor, your, your, your replacement. So the, the Lord said to him, just go return the way to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, in verse 16, he says, um, Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abimeloha, shall be anointed to be prophet in your room. Yes. He's going to succeed you. So all of a sudden, now I want you to look at this, and it's going to come to pass, whoever, is, verse 17, whoever escapes the sword of, whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Come to him shall escape the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapes the sword of Jehu of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Notice that the kings that are anointed to slay, all of a sudden a prophet shows up. Yeah. And the Bible says whoever escapes the sword of the civil kings is going to be dealt with by the spiritual authorities. Yeah. Don't tell me your sword don't reach out of this realm into the natural realm. Don't tell me it does. Because you don't know how to use it at that level doesn't mean it doesn't reach out. But it does. See, but we want the activation, but we don't want the training that accompanies and is commensurate with that level. So can I give you a sentence? Every level and every layer has principles that are commensurate and bound to that level and layer. Every level has principles that are bound to that level. There are principles that are commensurate with the level. Now, Elisha has a different attitude. He's like, what my mentor wouldn't do, I'm your huckleberry. (laughs) What you got away with my mentor, you ain't getting away with me. My mentor was tired. And I need you to know something, I ain't tired. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling like Joshua and Caleb. I don't, I mean, I've been 80 years, I'm not 80 years old, but I've been in this thing a long time and I still feel like fighting and taking him out. Amen. So watch this. He goes and he anoints Elisha. And God says in verse 18, Nevertheless, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all who have not bowed their knees to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. 
Everybody in the kingdom has not kissed the spirit of compromise. You know when people have kissed the spirit of compromise, when leaders have done it, all of a sudden they start changing their feeling on things. All homosexuality might not be. And then they won't address it publicly because it will hurt their ratings. Preach. And then all of a sudden you won't address things because it will hurt your relationship. God said, let me be in charge of what you address and how you address it. Watch this. He left the oxen. He ran after Elijah. And he says, uh, in verse 20 is where I really want to, verse 19. So Elijah departs there, found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He's plowing with 12 teams of oxen, and he was with the 12 teams. Now, what kind of dude are you? (laughs) That you got a team of oxen in front of you. Right? Right? Right. Stack 12 deep. And you back there on the back of it. What kind of dude are you? This dude is, he, he, he's not a joke on any level. He's ready for it. Can you hear me? And so he is plowing with the 12th team. And all of a sudden, talking about revelatory systems of God. Watch the systems of God here. Revelatory systems. Elijah, Elijah walks over. And all he says is... System, you won't know what that means. So good. So good. You don't understand revelatory system? You're in the dark. So good. And guess what? He didn't throw it on nobody that wasn't ready to pay a price. Woo! He didn't throw it on nobody that wasn't ready to pay a price. Can y'all hear me? Today, God is taking that mantle and he's putting on husbands and wives at the same time. Can you hear me? He's putting it on husbands and wives at the same time. So if you don't understand revelatory systems, you won't understand what happened here. Elijah passed by him and didn't say a word. All Elijah did was just threw his mantle on him and kept on walking. Sometimes you can get in the spirit, and if you're not watching what the spirit of God does, you'll miss where God is having his being in the moment. God is actually in the moment and you'll miss it because you were looking too natural. You you can't show up in the natural all the time. Can you hear me? So Elisha, behind 12 yoke of oxen, all of a sudden this guy walks by and just throws his his coat on him. And Elijah looks and he says, starts running after him. Notice he didn't stop. He kept on walking. Today we have Weak leaders who chasing everybody down. Yeah. Don't leave. Yeah. Please don't leave my church. Please don't. I need you. Right, right. Elijah walked by Elisha, threw the mantle on him, and kept on walking. If you want what I got, I'll see you down the road. Come on. It's not about me learning to follow you. It's about you following. Yes. 
And if you won't follow at this level, you won't follow at a higher level. And so Elijah just keeps on walking, turns around. Elisha is there and he says, please, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I'll follow you. Go on back, Elijah replied, but what have I done to you? Now listen to the prophet's words. He said, I want to kiss my mother and my father. I want to say goodbye. He knew what that mantle transfer meant. Right. I've been chosen by God. I'm, I'm receiving the mantle of Elijah. Right. We are a whole generation that's received the mantle of Elijah. Come on. In the book of Malachi, it says, before that great and notable day, I will send you the spirit of Elijah. And we in the church don't know what to do with the spirit of Elijah. We're replacing it for a different spirit. And God said in his word, I'm sending you the spirit of Elijah. And that is a confrontational anointing. That's a power anointing. And that deals with things in the realm of the spirit. If you come out of the spirit realm to deal with me, then I'm going to deal with you. That's how David's idea was. David's attitude was that way. Elijah has lost his edge. That's good. He's like a Rocky that is not good for nothing but to train somebody else to take his place. And Elijah Elijah says, look at the reply. Well, going back, go kiss your parents. What have I done to you? I want you to hear the prophet now. What have I done to you? I know when I threw that mantle on you, it was going to cost you your relationship of your social order with your mother and your father. Except a man... Hate, Jesus said. Can I give you the gospel of Jesus? Except a man hate his mother and his father, sisters and his brothers. Everything that gives you your identity, you cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus said. And some of you love people, the opinions of people, and what they think about you more than you love God. It doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter whether you like me or not. I don't care if you don't like what I'm wearing. I like it. God likes it. Am I anointed or not? Do I have words of life or not? Do I have words of life? You get, you get, listen, you get in the right situation, you ain't going to call the pretty boy. You're going to call somebody who got to You ain't going to call the skinny leg wearing pastor. In fact, he's so popular, he ain't going to even show up to come see you. You ain't got his number. Don't play. You got his YouTube channel, but you ain't got his phone number. He ain't got a word for you that helps you position you in that realm. You being equipped to play on the playground. Not on the battlefield. God trying to raise up some folk who are ready to get on the battlefield. How are you being trained? You ready to get on the battlefield? You ready for something greater than a lion or a bear to come out at you? Oh, Goliath! Oh, my God, Goliath! Goliath's going to hit you with words and paralyze a whole army of men. David said, I'm not paralyzed by your words. All the army of Israel, the majority of Christians are paralyzed by other people's words right today. And God's like, what are you doing? I want to show you something. Y'all ready for this? Y'all here? Yes. So Elisha turns back. In other words, the prophet is saying, what have I done to you? He's saying, I know what I just brought you into. You are about to deal with every major principality and power that exists on the planet assigned against Israel. You're about to deal with and confront every major fallen angel. He's the most powerful prophet on the planet, Elijah. And he says, go back and say bye to your folk. What have I done to you? What have I done to you? When I threw that mantle, I knew. Listen, when God told you about your calling, how many of you raise your hand and God's told you about your calling? 
He was telling you about your mantle. Yes. And he's saying, I know what that's going to attract. Elijah has to deal with the princes of Persia, the princes of Greece. That stopped the angel Gabriel on his way to Daniel. He knows that every major fallen angel that was kicked out of heaven, that led the rebellion in heaven, Elisha is going to have to confront. So the moment God gave you the revelation about your calling, he was trying to equip your mind for the level of girth and stature and spiritual fortitude you'd have to have. That's what he was trying to get across to you. That you can't go into this weak-minded or you'll end up in a cave. And then you go, oh, but God, don't you understand? He said, yeah, I understand. I told you what you were called to. But you didn't equip yourself at that level. Wow. Wow. Can you hear me? Amen. So the prophet says, well, what have I done to you? And so Elisha, I want you to look. Elisha turned back from him, took his pair of oxen. What did Elijah do? All right, y'all ain't hearing me yet. He slaughtered the oxen. In other words, he parted with his past. He's not going back. That's so good. Until you're willing to blow up the bridge, you ain't ready. As long as that bridge exists, as long as you got that occupation to lay back on, you ain't ready. You're not a terminal yet. You're not, you're not like you're not like Joshua. You we talk about being like Joshua, but you ain't like Joshua yet. Joshua will pull his sword on an angel and say, Are you for us or are you against us? Okay. Come on, when, until you're ready to get down with angels, you ain't ready. Come on. You have power over all the power of the enemy. That's right. And this is a warring angel. I, I don't know if I some somebody showed 12, 13, 14 foot tall. And, and Joshua pulls his sword. Are you for us or against us? That, I only have one question for you. Are you, on, my, are you on the Lord's side? Or, <laughs> whose side are you on? Right. Some of us aren't ready to burn our oxen. That means you're not ready to die. That's right. That's right. Except a man take up his cross. The cross was that calling. And follow me. Jesus said he's not worthy of me. He said. You are not worthy of me. If you're not willing to take up your cross and die. Alright y'all. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. So he burns it. How many of you say. Oh, Jesus I'm ready to burn my oxen. Come on. You feel like a flex coming on. You feel like I'm ready to burn my oxen. Lord as you lead me. Now don't you go do it. Don't quit your job and show up on the street corner with a son and a bullhorn. Talking about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I got the spirit of Elijah, Apostle said. I, I personally will rebuke you. I will kick you in your ankle if you do something stupid like that. And if you show up on the street corner again, they'll have to carry you because I'll kick you so hard you probably break up. Uh, you're not being trained to be stupid. Jesus called me. Some people, Jesus called me and then you just go start doing stuff. Be mentored. Be trained. Amen. Amen. That's good. Thank you. Following people ain't fought no battles. Come on, Come on, sir. Biggest battle you fought was fast in three days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they got people following them. 
Right. Am I going to shop online for Gucci? Or at Frederick's, or at, those are the battles they fight today. Yeah. Because <laughs> images, they fight the image battle. Right. Uh, uh, that's wisdom. Yeah. I don't need nobody leading me to. That's right. Yeah. That's not what I need. Right. I need to be able to walk into a city and have folks show up saying, These men show us the way of the Most High God. These are men of the Most High God. Where principalities and powers go, we know you're here. We don't care if anybody else recognizes you. We know they're here. So are you ready to burn your plow? Yes. Hallelujah. Then he arose and he followed Elijah. All right. Can we go to the next? The PowerPoint, please. Are y'all here? Yeah. All right, I want you to look here at what we're, what we're looking at. Thank you. Elisha performs a series of miracles, a great series of miracles. Notice that he divide, Elisha divides the Jordan, purifies water, increases the widow's oil, multiplies bread, he neutralizes poison, heals naming the leper, His miracles, he inflicts Gehazi with leprosy. All right, stop right here. What did the prophet do to his mentee? The, the mentee was being trained. To, to, Elisha was training Gehazi to later take his place. Gehazi went and took the stuff from Naaman the leper who got healed when he dunked in the River Jordan seven times. And then Gehazi runs out, sneaks out, and goes, I know my master didn't take that that money and that payoff for the healing, but he changed his mind. And so he takes the payoff for the healing and comes back and he hides it. And the prophet says, I was with you. Didn't you you think I went out there with you? Is this a time to receive payoffs? So the leprosy of the person who got healed is going to stick to you and your seed forever. Leprosy is running in somebody's family now because of the generational situation that this dude created. So the prophet said that, but let's run on to the New Testament. In the New Testament, the apostles called blindness on somebody for getting in the way of while the gospel was being preached. Are y'all with me? Can you hear me? The apostles weren't playing about it. They were real about it. This is... The New Testament, when you really look at the template of the New Testament church, I mean, somebody lied about offering and died on Sunday morning service. Everybody would be paying tithe next week. Everybody would be paying tithe. Pastor wouldn't have to preach another tithe sermon. He just says, time for offering. Everybody go. Because you got Ananias and Sapphira in your mind. Who died because they lied about offering. Some of y'all lied this week and you up in here today and you're like, hallelujah. <laughs> we worship and adore you, Lord. And you done lied three, four times this week. Amen. But you ain't dead. Yes. And that was a New Testament church. I'm like, I don't want to go to that church. I want the skinny jean church. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with that church up there. People dying over over offering. Oh no, no, no. And that apostle up there and them, them 
pastors is crazy. You remember they said that person came in and was acting crazy on Sunday? And they said, because you got up and interrupted the sermon, you're going to be blind? That's in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, the blindness came on the dude. And somebody, he went away like this. That was New Testament leaders. We got guys today that want to hold your baby, kiss your baby, hug your baby, walk with you. They go, oh, that's so sweet. You need a counseling session. No, you need an encounter with Jesus. Yeah. Come on, sir. And, and I'm not saying, because my wife and I, we talked about it. You know, counseling is good. Yes, sir. We went through counseling. I learned some things I never thought I'd. I was like, we don't need counseling. I got the word. <laughs> yeah. You're doing that, brother. <laughs> so there's a place for everything. Yeah. Can you hear me? Amen. But don't allow counseling to talk you out of your word. Right. That's good. Can you hear me? Yes. Counseling is not going to position you in that realm you're called to. That's a whole different set of tools. Counseling will help you with your marriage. But it's not going to keep you up there. That's a different set of tools. Can you hear me? Counseling is not going to keep you out of the cave. Like Elijah. No, no, no. That's hearing from God. An encounter with God is what keeps you there. Whatever the price that you have to pay to get that encounter with God, you pay that price. Can you hear me? Yes. All right, now watch this. I want to go from here. He opens a servant's eyes. Look, he's praying for healing. He reveals secret counsels. He can tell you the secrets that are going on. Smites a Syrian army. A whole army is smitten with blindness. He... Uh, birth of a child, abundance, prince's death, great famine, Benedad's death, Joshua, he prophesies. This guy did twice the miracles of his mentor. He did twice the miracles of his mentor. I want to go to the next place. So, here's where we, all of this was to get to this place. You ready? Yep, the guys are on it. So let me give you an example. I want to give you an example of what we're talking about. Uh, While I was, uh, getting ready this morning, I feel like this is the example that would make it understandable. In the headline of the news yesterday, it says that someone was driving and they got a text and they reached up to respond to the text while they were driving. How many of you have ever done that texted while driving? Raise your hands up church. You're in church. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. All right, raise your hand up high so somebody won't feel condemnation. You're texting, drive, you're looking at you're dealing with your phone. All right. Thank you. I got one man that said, no, I ain't, I'm de- I ain't doing it. So the, 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 the text, all, even the pastor's wife on front row done it. <laughs> the headlines yesterday said, this person was charged with vehicular homicide because while they were texting, they were distracted and someone got killed. And they were charged with vehicular homicide. They'll spend the next years of their life in jail, in prison, federal prison, a felony. Life and death was in their hand. There's a point where certain laws will cover you because you are underage. I know someone who, as a child, took someone else's existence. They were 16. And because they were 16, they were not charged as an adult. 
And so they went to a juvie type of place. They went to a um, holding center until they hit 18, and then they were released. Why? Underage. A different law set of laws applies when yes. you're underage. Right. Come on. Come on, Apostle. And there's a greater extent of mercy. Come on, Apostle. The grace assigned to being underage and the penalties assigned are less than being of age. Wow. Well, but watch here. Watch this. Both of them have their own grace. The grace is an allowance and a liberty made possible because of immaturity on the underage side. But of age now, there's a different grace. You get to drive anywhere you want to. You get to go 200 miles an hour on a racetrack. You get to get your ears pierced without your parents' signature. You get to, there's a grace there. Both of them have grace. But the rules that apply are different. And some of us have reached a stage in our discipleship of Holy Spirit where he's trying to let us know the rules that apply here. He's saying, I'm giving you the grace to do things that very few people have ever done. And I'm bringing the church into a place where you're going to operate in things that you've never done before. But you need to know that in this realm and in this dimension and in this set of order, that they, my conversation is different with you. Yes. Where you pleaded with your child and encouraged them to stay in school and stay with it under age. They get a certain age, and you say a few times, you need to stay in college. You yeah. say, and they go, no, but I don't. And you, like God did with Elijah, you don't yes. even argue with him yeah. about it. You say, okay, I'm going to replace you. you you're you're going to be replaced. Wow. Can you hear me? God stops you. He's like, you should know the rules that govern this realm by now. Right? right. right? right. So it's not about rules. It's about understanding the systems that govern revelatory orders. Yeah. That's what we were talking about, right? Now watch this. Because we're talking about understanding and harnessing Watch this. Understanding and harnessing God's revelatory systems. Let the... Uh, I need you to scroll for me, would you please? Keep going, keep going, keep going. Stop, 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 stop. Right here. So, you must hear these particular areas. There's revelatory order... Good right there. It's, good right there. it's critical if you're going to establish divine order. That's right. That's right. If you can't see the revelation in nature that the Bible says is hidden in nature, how are you going to establish divine order? So you've got so there are a couple of things that are happening here with Elijah. You've got revelatory order, and you've got revelational dominance. Right? In God's systems, you've got revelatory order where God reveals the order of the system. Then he speaks to you and gives you revelational dominance of what you have authority to do and what you have authority over and what he's made for you to do. Can you hear me? Amen. So you have revelational dominance. Yes. As long as Elijah stays in the right mindset, he's got revelational dominance. He dominates the wind. He dominates the waves. Wow. He dominates the... The earth patterns an environment. He has authority over the environment. Jesus speaks and says, peace be still to the wind. 
and the waves. And they're like, what manner of man is this that has power over it? And Jesus is like, not only are y'all going to do what you see me, what I do, but you're going to do greater. They look at Jesus having dominance over a fig tree. And they're like, oh my God, the nature obeyed you. The environment obeyed you. Jesus said, are you marveling? Not only are you going to have, now here's the revelation. When he says to them, I, I'm, I, this is a test. When he says to them, this is a test. And because what I'm asking you now is not on the screen. I just want to see if you've been here for the past two days, three days. <laughs> Jesus says to them, when they marvel that the fig tree is dead, they come to the fig tree. How many of you know the story? Raise your hand if you know the story about the fig tree. Jesus is coming, and he's walking, and he's hungry with his disciples, and there's a fig tree, and it doesn't have any fruit on it. And Jesus is hungry, and he looks at it, and he says, you're cursed. From this day forward, you'll never bear any fruit. And he kept on walking. He didn't stay and watch to see if it was going to happen. <laughs> and he goes on about his way. They come back later, and they look, and they go, whoa, the fig tree is dried up from the roots. My God. Jesus killed a fig tree with his words. What are you killing with your words that God is wanting you to make alive? What's staying alive with your words that Jesus is wanting you to kill? Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Your tongue. What are you saying about your future? So here's the test. Jesus, they, the, the disciples see and go, whoa, the fig tree. Look, and Jesus said, you marveling over this? Not only... Are you going to do what's done? You saw me do to the fig tree. If you speak to a mountain and tell it what to do, it will obey you. So what did Jesus give them in his words? That's the test. Just seeing if you've been here the past few days. Not revelatory order. I said it's not on the screen. Revelatory authority. In his words was the revelation that gave them authority over the tree and over the mountain. In his words was the revelation of what you have authority over. And the works that I do shall... He that believes in me, the works that I do. What's inside of those words to you? Revelatory authority. So now he says, you need to start believing. Lord, show me... God is trying to set you up for situations where people need hands laid on them, yeah. where people need healing, where God wants you to step out and believe for more than what you've ever believed for in your past. But now you can tell that people don't really believe what Jesus said because they're not looking for situations. True. That's good. That's good. Do you know how many believers all over the world are trapped? They're not looking for situations. Jesus said, when you see a situation that's right. not supposed, it's not in my divine order. It's not operating according to my divine system. The fig tree is supposed to be bringing fruit. It's not operating like I designed it. I made the fig tree. I know what it's supposed to be doing. I'm telling you right now, you weren't in order. In the name of you're done. And it stops. So now you can, Jesus multiplies fish, dead fish. But yet he at the same time can tell the molecules in the tree, you're going to die. You won't bring life. So the revelatory authority in the body of Christ is huge. And I'm saying to you, God wants you to begin to speak it. God wants you to begin to say it. And he wants you to see if your words are lining up with the revelatory authority that he gave you. All right, now watch this. 
So we can call revelatory authority R.A. Somebody say R.A. Now you got your revelatory authority. That's your R.A. Now let's say revelatory order. That's your R.O. All right? So when you see something that's not in divine D.O., divine order, you have the revelation of divine order. Do you leave it the same or do you exercise revelational dominance? God's calling on your life is to introduce you to systems that are in violation of his D.O. The calling on your life is for you to confront systems and situations that are not in line with his D.O. Somebody shout to me what D.O. is. So when you, you are made to address things that are in hostile opposition to D.O. But if you don't know his R.S., what, what's RS? If you don't know his RS, you won't use your RA to deal with the violation of the DO. Ah. <laughs> ah. And you will walk by and leave it the same yes. when yes. you were called to bring his power yes. into the situation. Use your RA to transform it into his DO. So when there's sickness, you bring healing. Don't wait. It's not your job to stay there and see whether it happened. You just speak it and go about your business. Lord, I honored your assignment. When Jesus told you, as you go, I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, lay and cast out demons. What is that? That's revelatory authority. Many believers aren't doing their RA. Yet they want DA. And there's another DA, by the way. It's a DA too. Divine approval. They want a DA too. Divine approval when they're outside of the RA of their life. Does that make sense? Yeah. And God is like Elijah. I'm not going to keep talking to you. You're in the wrong place. You're bringing the wrong language, which means you compromise your ability to operate in that system. Yeah. You can't confront the system where your language is too low to address. It's good, sir. Are y'all in the room here today? Yes. So revelatory order. If you don't understand revelatory order. Revelatory order is the key to revel revelational dominance. Revelational dominance means God gave me the revelation of what I'm going to dominate over. God will give you the revelation of divine order in your home, divine order in your marriage, divine order with your children, divine order with the civil authorities, divine order in the workspace, vocational authorities. God will give you the DA of the spiritual hierarchy of angels. God has been trying to teach you divine systems for a long time. Angelic orders. Ah. And the systems that angels do operate by. Right. And which angels you are to give a pass. And which angels you are to be like Joshua and say, Are you operating according to the D.O. that I understand? But if you're out of D.O., I'm about to declare a cease and desist because I have authority to bind it loose. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you allow on earth is bound in heaven. What is that that God gave you when he said those words? Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you allow, whatever you say stop to in heaven, yes. that's another system. 
Some things only keep going because you haven't talked to it yet. And some things I have to talk to more than once. I told you to stop. With tears in my eyes, I got to get in the spirit realm. Get on up there and say, I told you to stop. In the name of Jesus. And there are times when God said, hey, you've told it to stop enough. you told it to stop. You've commanded and spoke to it enough. Having done all, now you qualified to stand. Mm. Some of us are trying to stand and we ain't done all. And God said, ain't helping you yet. You ain't done all. The Bible says, having done all, stand. You can't make a stand when you ain't done hardly nothing. You ain't fasted. You ain't prayed. You ain't ain't prayed more than 10 minutes and you're trying to stand. You're going to get knocked down. And God's going to watch you. How many of you, when your child was learning to walk, there were times and they were learning to get up and stand up. You sat right there. They got to that point where you said, I can't help you anymore. Right now, I'm, I will be enabling you. Yes. So I'm going to have to watch. I'm going to have to watch you struggle. But the joy on their face when they first get that. And then all of a sudden they go. And you say, oh, my baby got it now. All right, now, yeah. See, but you cannot hinder their progress by enabling their dysfunction. Sometimes you have to let them cry. Anybody ever let your child cry and you just closed the door and went on in another room and y'all sat down and put on Netflix and had some popcorn? And the baby's like, ah, wow, and y'all like, it'll be all right, baby. What you're crying about ain't going to kill you. And God, because I ain't going to let it. God already knows. God already knows. And sometimes you go, Jesus, please. Jesus, that ain't the, that's not what I'm. Yeah. I know until you learn that my word is your source of life, you'll never enter into your RD. Yes. And for where you're called, you need your RD. You know how many believers, their language betrays where they're walking? Yes. And God is saying, your RD was the key to your future. I told you you could create a world with a dead fig tree or a living fig tree. And you keep talking about the fig tree don't have any fruit on it. Because you haven't talked to it. You're living out of today what you created by your words in your spiritual condition. Elijah was talking about his condition. I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. They can't do that. I can't do that. And God said, yep, that's where you're living. Mm. Elisha didn't say none of that. Mm-hmm. And did twice the miracles of his mentor. Mm-hmm. What do we learn right here? That in God's order, divine order of mentorship, the process you condemn, you're less likely to command. So, I guess this is how we, I'll bring this to a close today, because y'all look pretty full. (laughs) So, we marry these ideas, I want to be very biblical today. When we talk about revelational dominance, revelatory means making something known that was previously hidden. RD, revelational dominance, is the prophetic operation of the Spirit of God. The prophetic operation of the Spirit of God, giving inspired words or actions to men, things, or animals. 
that brings about divinely empowered ability to accomplish or establish the divine will of God with irresistible force or authority. Did that feel good going down? What God has given you has the ability to establish what he said with irresistible force or authority. Because the moment he said it, like he told Peter, you can walk on the water, all elements, all atoms, all things created are commanded to obey the voice of what he said to you in your R.A. God's gift to you was the R.A. Can you hear me? The R.A. was your pathway to R.D. And the R.D., was meant to be used in exercise in maturity because you understand D.O. Yeah. Mm. Can somebody give God a shout? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And notice it's a prophetic operation of the Spirit. Oh, yes. God. That means the Spirit of God is talking to you. Yes. God is talking to you. Let that sink in. It's God talking to you. Yeah. It's God who's confirming his word to you. It's God who, in the words he spoke, was giving you authority over nature, over matter, over powers, over principalities, over things present, things to come. He was giving you authority over it all because he never gives you something to do that he doesn't give you the authority to do. With that calling on Elisha comes the mental bandwidth to handle the call. Yeah. Amen. It's good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But, and Elijah said, but I can't do it. God's like, when I gave you the call, I gave you the mental bandwidth to handle it. So Why are you saying the opposite? That's so good. When I gave you the call, I gave you the spiritual authority to yes. walk through that realm yes. and handle it. Hallelujah. I didn't say it wouldn't be easy. Right. right. Some of you, I can't die here. Amen. Because the word of God said that I would do this and this in the future. Mm-hmm. It must be a test. Yeah. Come on, somebody, you got to pray. See, come on, can you see how that, that way of thinking adjusts your mind? God, you just told me last week that I, so it must be a test. So that's RD, and it's a prophetic operation. And God will give you more. When you demonstrate that you respect and appreciate what he's giving you already. Jesus says to whom, to to the person who has their talents and uses it, more will be given. To him who hath, more will be given. Do you know what he was talking about when he said that? He was talking about revelation. Go read it. To him who hath, more will be given. Jesus is in this room today checking what you have. Do you have the last word that he spoke to you? And is it, is it in the right order with the previous words that he spoke to you? And if you can prove that what you believe, what you think, and the words he previously gave you are in divine order to him who hath the order of things that I said, I'll give him more. To him who hath, more will be given. But to him who hath not what I said... It will be taken away. That's what Jesus said. So some people are in division with God and don't even know it. Because they won't demonstrate that they have what he gave them the last time. God was trying to add to your R.A. He was trying to add to your R.A. through what he says. 
prophetic dominance. And he was trying to take you from faith to faith and glory to glory. So God says, will you put my words above all uh, everyone else's words? So good. Yes. That's good, sir. So good. So that's revelational dominance. Because I know you want the... And then we look at R.D. I put the definitions. Revelational dominance. Can you scroll for me, please? Up the other way, yeah. Stop right here. Go down. Go down. Revelational dominance. Revelational dominance. And so then I give you an example of it. God, Jesus operates in prophetic agency and says, whatever you ask in my name, Father will do it. He said, if you ask anything, whoever will say to the mountain, that's revelational dominance coming from Jesus' words. Now, God will use you and give you prophetic agency. And I want, pastors, I really want you to hear me. Leaders, I want you to hear me. God will use you as a prophetic agent, and through your words, he will impart revelational authority to people. Elijah imparted revelational authority. We have no evidence Elisha heard it before Elijah. That's good. That's good. That's good. So he came into revelational authority and revelational dominance because what did God use uh, Elijah as? According to what's on your screen. Prophetic agent. (laughs) Prophetic agency has with it the power to impart. So when you step into a prophetic mode... There's impartation that can go into someone's spirit and empower them to do things that they couldn't do before you spoke it. That's good. So Jesus used as a prophetic agent the ability to impart. Samson had RD. And this is, I guess this is what I'll, I'll close with. This is what I'm going to close with. This is your homework. Figure that out. Study that out. This is your homework. And if you're not willing to study it out, you don't deserve it. That realm needs to be closed to you. If you're not willing to study it out, you don't deserve it. All right. So, back up. All right, so put that in the center of the screen, please. Scroll up just a little. All right? A little bit more. Just a hair right there. So Samson had our, what did Samson have? Say it out loud. What did Samson have? What did Samson have? Hear your mouth saying it so you can get used to forming the words. What did Samson have? You know why he lost his anointing, his calling? Because it required... Conformity. Conformity. This is where many believers are today. They're not conforming to the principles that govern the revelational dominance. As long as you don't cut your hair, you can dominate. Samson, as long as you don't cut your hair, you can whoop anything in front of you. Whether it's a thousand men or a million men. Just don't cut your hair, boy. Come on, Sam. He cut his hair, which means he broke his revelational conformity. God gave him the rules that matched his calling and his assignment. And when he broke the rules and matched his calling and his assignment, he lost his dominance. And he can't blame it on nobody but himself. I stopped doing what you said, God. 
God removes excuses in this realm. Yes. Come on. There are no excuses in this realm. Children make excuses. The law says, no, you're of age. I don't want to hear that. God says, Elijah, I don't want to hear your excuses for why you didn't do what I told you. You stopped doing what I told you to do. Why you started, I can't do it. God said, no, no, you lost your conformity. And you know when you're losing your revelational conformity, when your words don't match the divine order of your DA. Your DA is off. And you compromise your RD. And that's why your stuff stopped working. Samuel went to work his RD and it wasn't working. Because he violated RC. And all he had to do was make an an adjustment. Peter had RD, which is what? And he's walking on the water. He didn't lose his RD based on what Jesus said as a prophetic agent said, come on, walk on the water. He's revelation. He's dominating over the water, dominating over the air, dominating over uh, mass and, and, and dimensional lift. He's dominating over. But Peter had RD for a moment, but it required conformity to the revelation Jesus gave him, which means you got to ignore some things. Oh. The wind's blowing, I see it, but I'm ignoring it. Well, let's talk about the wind. I don't need you to get me into a conversation about the wind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jesus yes. said, he's sleep, he's not dead. Jesus is holding his conformity to the revelation that God gave. God. Thank you. They sleep, they're not dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, nah, well, we want to talk about it. He's dead. Jesus, they're not, they're not dead. <laughs> so Jesus comes out of his RC to deal with their lack of understanding of RD. Moses had R.D. while Joshua fought. What did he do? Prove you understand what I'm talking about. Kept his arms up. Kept his hands up. And as long as his hands are up, Joshua is whooping everybody in front of them in the battle. The moment Moses loses his revelational conformity, his conforming to what's happening, and his arms come down, Joshua starts losing. So God was counting on you, hold your R.D. so that your children and your family and your church and your ministry some people are losing because you let your RC down. It's not their fault. Moses is the mature one sitting up on the mountain. That's why you have responsibility. And you can't say I'm a child and I don't understand it. God said, I know you understand it. Adam had R.D. In the garden. Prove you understand what I'm talking about. What proves he had R.D.? What is R.D.? What proves he had R.D.? You have dominion over everything. The birds of the air. And when Jesus died on the cross, he brought back the R.D. He brought back the D.O. He was the word made flesh. The manifest D.O. The manifest R.D. Yes, and when he opened his mouth, he gave you the RA. Yes. Authority. Come on, give God a praise if you're Adam lost it in the garden, but God gave it back on the cross. Yes. And now all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. And I give that power to you over all things. 
the dominion Adam lost, God not only gave you, did Jesus give back the dominion that Adam lost? Can I tell you, he gave you more? Adam wasn't seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Adam's earth, Adam's dominion, yeah, you're right, brother, that's a woe. Adam's dominion was earthly, confined to this earth ball. But Jesus went up into the heavens, and he seated you and I at the right hand of the Father. So you have power over principalities and power. You dominate spirit realm, natural realm. Who in the world are you? God would rest his divine glory and Who are you? That he would seat you in him far above all principalities and powers. Adam had R.D. And he had divine order. There's no death. There's no sickness. The devil ain't getting away with nothing. He's got divine order. He's got revelational dominance. But what did it require? Revelatory conformity. What was the what was the thing that he did to break the revelatory conformity? He ate of the one tree in the garden, and God said, God said, you know what? You can have the whole earth. You can have the whole ball. You can have the whole rock. Everything in the in the sky, everything in the seas, everything. Or you can have the whole rock. He said, but I'm only going to leave one tree on the planet for me. My tithe of the whole planet is going to be one tree that you can't touch. And it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you got the tree of life. Both of them in the garden. Just look when they win God. Come on. <laughs> the one that God said is mine. Isn't that like humans? Yes. yes. The one God said, don't touch the tree. Don't do eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here they go. Because God said, don't touch it. They want the one God said that you can have everything on the planet. Just, just give me one tree. Yes. And Adam broke the RC, lost his DO, and he lost his RD, and everything under him lost its DO power from God to stay without defilement. And now all creation is groaning because Adam lost the divine order that was keeping it perfect. The family order was shattered. Yeah. Children were now born in sin. Yeah, yeah. Conceived in sin, born in sin, conceived, shaped in iniquity. And then family orders, and then systems orders fell down. Everything. The animals started eating each other. The lion used to lay down with the lamb. Both sitting there eating grass together and eating some leaves, saying, you like this leaf? And in a moment, Adam broke D.O., he lost his RC. The lion looked at the lamb and said, I've been thinking about some lamb chops. I wonder what you taste like. The lamb is like, you're not looking at me right. You look like you want to eat something. And then why are you making that rawr noise? Adam affected everything under his authority by his violation of R.C. And you and I are dealing with it today. So when Jesus came, he came to set the orders back in order. And he's hoping that you will understand 
the power of what he says to you when he speaks to you. And um, I'm done today. But I want, so that they can take a picture, I want you to put the revelatory order up in the screen so everyone can take a picture. I want to be true to understanding. Revelatory order is when God speaks and gives directions and details specifically as to the building, establishment, placement, activity, destruction, or activity. And notice I've got building. Sometimes God's building. Sometimes he's destroying. Of anything, person or spirit, as to function and process in all realms of creation. The RO, the revelatory order given, may not represent divine order in heaven. So there are some things that are for down here that are not for up there. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So Father God, we want to thank you for giving us understanding. In the name of Jesus, perhaps on another time when we come back, We'll complete this and go further down that road. And, and during that time, when we come back, we're going to hear the awesome things that God has done. Amen. Because, you know, as a parent, we're learning that we can give our child, our daughter, a $30,000 car, $30,000 car as a gift a couple of years ago. That doesn't mean they really understand it. They don't understand the sacrifice that went into the gift. They don't understand the enormity of responsibility with taking care of a gift at that level. And so sometimes God says, there are things I want to give you as a gift, part of your inheritance. But I want you to understand now what I'm about to do in you. I want you to understand what I'm about to give you. How many of you understand that what God is giving you now, he's, he's releasing you now. You know now. He's releasing you now into activation. Yes. Yes. Because you understand and you, you, you're like, I ain't telling nobody the secret to my hair. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Now, that does not mean that you have told people the secret to your hair. <laughs> the absence of hair does not mean you have told people the secret to your hair. Uh, <laughs> So there are some things that accompany your calling that is not up for debate with someone else. It's not up for debate. If I'm talking to Elijah, I want him to teach me about walking in this realm. Because Elisha has never confronted Ahab, Jezebel, prophets of Baal, and had uh, confrontations openly with Satanists and witchcraft, witches and all that kind of stuff. Elisha's mentor had. So the whole time that Elijah is training Elisha, he's teaching him how to navigate that realm. He's teaching him how to avoid the pitfalls. He's teaching him how to avoid disaster. He's teaching him how to navigate that realm successfully. And we know Elisha was a good student because he surpassed his mentor by double. Yes. Yes. Can you yeah. say amen? Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. He surpassed him by double. But if you've got someone, you can't lead where you haven't been. And you can't teach what you don't know. And you can't give what you don't have. 
Today you received an incredible gift. Yes. You, you received a gift that's a launching pad that opens up unlimited possibilities for you. Can you, can you understand that? Today was a gift. And, and, and if you will polish and take what you've received, study it out, God will give you something this time around. Yeah. And you won't squander it. It won't be lost. You won't be like the disciples who Jesus gave them the gift of power over all principalities and power. He said, as you go, cast out devils. Luke 9 and Luke 10. As you go, cast out devils. Jesus comes walking on the sea. When he said, go cast out devils, lay hands on the sick. In Luke 9 and 10, Jesus sent his disciples. What was he operating as? What was he operating as? An agent, a prophetic agent. He is a revelatory authority. I'll give you that. But he's operating as a, re- a prophetic agent. And he gives them, he says, as you go, cast out devils. He's operating. And he gives them revelatory authority. Jesus comes walking on the sea. What did they do? Oh, it's a ghost. He already gave them power over all the power. Yeah. Yeah. And when they see Jesus walking on the land, they don't even know what to do. They're like, it's a ghost. Oh. And they were afraid. Jesus like, it's I. Don't be afraid. <laughs> so they didn't go to their RA in the situation. Yeah. True story. Jesus let the storm come up. And Jesus is asleep. Yeah. I need you to understand something about Jesus. Jesus is asleep. In the boat. In the middle of a storm, water's coming over into the boat, and Jesus is like, <laughs> "This is storm. The Lord of the storm is sleeping." Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Don't you see the situation we're in? And they woke him up. He got up. And they said, don't you care, quote, don't you care that we are dying, we're perishing, we're going to die. <laughs> Jesus is asleep in this situation. Mm-hmm. And they think God doesn't care because he leaves them in it. Wow. They have the authority. Wow. <laughs> and then he goes over, peace, be still. And like, whoa, look at the miracle. Jesus like, how long must I deal with you guys? Yeah. He said, you have little faith. They didn't even try to go back to their R.A. Yes. Wow. yes they do it for me, Jesus. There's a point where he says, no, I'm not going to do it for you. That devil is going to keep whooping you and beating your brains out and knocking you down and sending wind and storm and waves. And I'm not going to be... I'm not going to answer you. Preach. You are all in the house. Come on. Then, then God is in heaven with Jesus. And you seated in heavenly places. Yes. But you're operating so earthly in your Earth. thinking. Wow. You don't try to go to nothing yes. that you have that operates in the spirit. Yeah. And God is like, leave him alone. Yeah. Yeah. Gabriel. Like. And Michael, like, you want us to do something? 
He ain't gonna make it. Howard ain't gonna make it. <laughs> so devil got it. <laughs> He's on the ropes and he don't know how to do the rope a dope. He ain't gonna do the rope a dope. He ain't Muhammad Ali. You want me to go help him? And the Lord is like Michael, stand down. What you don't know about Howard is he's getting mad. And he stopped, he, he's beginning to stop questioning my authority. And he's beginning to start to see how he needs to operate in my authority. I gave him my name. I'm waiting on him to use it. So good. I spoke to his future. Yeah. I'm waiting on him to use that prophecy about his future as a weapon of Hallelujah. war. Hallelujah. I spoke to his dominance. I'm waiting on him to rise up in his RA. Leave him alone. Hallelujah. Because you know what you don't know is I know how to make a warrior. I know how I'm the kingmaker. I'm God. I'm the kingmaker. I'm God. So I declare in the name of Jesus that in the grace of God will operate more than the people in Jesus. Please close your eyes, Mr. Smith. Father God, thank you. Please pray this with me. Father, thank you for my RA. Thank you for my RA. And my RD. An understanding of the an understanding of that comes from you. That comes from you. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. You never get what you don't expect to return on. And you empower a return. In Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Those of you who have something...